0: This week, on the Myths and Legends Podcast, we're back in Norse mythology, and we'll learn of one of Thor's facial features that will never make it into any Marvel movie, and the one enemy the mighty Thor faced that made him wet himself with terror. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's a small flaming chicken that you do not want to kick out of your house. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, episode 62, Hammer Time. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore and mythology. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that you might not have heard, but really should. This week, we're back in Norse mythology, the mythology and, well, the religion of the Vikings, and various people in Scandinavia, Iceland, and other places in Northern Europe, until it was largely replaced by Christianity. It's the one with Thor, Odin, Loki, Freya, and others. And you don't have to have heard the other episodes on Norse mythology to follow this one. Though, if you like this one, I would recommend going back and listening to those. Despite how grim and dour they're often portrayed in popular culture, the real stories are pretty fun and ridiculous. And, as a quick note, these take place before the last Loki story, so Loki's still running around, causing trouble in Unbound. Anyway, I'll just jump right in. Over the last three months, the rattling from inside the box had grown quieter and quieter until, finally, the day before yesterday, it had stopped altogether. Garrod, the giant, kind of hoped that the thing inside the box wasn't dead because then he couldn't put the next stage of his devious plan into action. He had his other giant buddies pop open the box to see a starving, angry, but utterly defeated bird of prey. Are you ready to talk now, Loki? Garrod said. Yes, Loki said, and the infamous trickster flapped out and landed on the floor, transforming from a withered and beaten bird to a withered and beaten Loki. Three months ago, just for the fun of it, Loki stole Freya's magic bird cloak and decided to take a short trip to Jotunheim, or Giant Land. He had heard of the magnificent Hall of Geirad and wanted to check it out for himself. It was a windy, snowy day when he landed, in bird form, on the windowsill of the hall and outside, trying to get a good view, Loki pushed maybe a bit too hard. The shutters flew open and slammed on the inside of the hall, drawing the attention of all the giants. But giants are slow climbers, at least the first one trying to get Loki was. As Loki watched the giant huff and puff his way up the wall, the trickster almost felt sorry for him. And when he got close, Loki jumped to a perch just a little bit higher. Then he saw a giant that had clearly been working out, scaling the wall much faster. Loki beat his wings to fly away, but also found that he was stuck to the rafter. Loki sighed. Giant magic. Perfect. Loki was tackled by several angry giants. Gerard had Loki hanging upside down by his bird talons, and the giant said that he had a small favor to ask of Loki, and yes, apparently if a bird gets into your house, it's safe to assume that it's Loki, wearing a magic cloak. The giant said that he just wanted to kill Thor. (laughs) Loki laughed, Oh, a giant that wants to kill Thor. How weird and rare. But seriously, take a number. The giant, not wanting to go back and forth with a talking bird, threw Loki in a lockbox to persuade him to help Gerod. Three months should do. And it did do. When Loki came out, he was more than happy to do anything Gerod asked to avoid going back in the box. The giant simply wanted Loki to convince Thor to come to the hall, unarmed, so that Gerod could murder him. Weeks later, back in Asgard, Thor said Loki looked terrible. What happened? (laughs) Definitely wasn't trapped in a box for three months to convince you to come to Jotunheim so a giant could murder you, Loki said. Wait, what? Thor said. Nothing, Loki said. Hey, you want to know who throws great parties? The giants. Loki somehow convinced Thor to come to a party in Jotunheim. And, since it's a party, it might be a little rude to show up armed to the teeth to bash in giant skulls. And, for some reason... Thor agreed. He left his hammer, his belt of strength, and iron gloves, and went to the coolest party in Giantland, where the attendees definitely won't get murdered. Or so Loki kept saying. Yeah, you're definitely going to get murdered, a woman told Thor when Loki was out of the room. They had stopped at the house of a giantess to spend the night on their travels, and the woman named Grid, told Thor that Gaera the giant had been bragging about how he was going to murder Thor. A lot. Thor said that this was a predicament. He left his one weapon, and belt of strength, and iron gloves back home, because Loki told him it was safe. Grid said, oh, that's so sad. Being betrayed by someone you love and trust. Oh, no. We don't really trust him at all, Thor said. In fact, he deceives us constantly, and might end up destroying the nine worlds. Oh. Okay said, then it makes a lot of sense that you would follow him unarmed into giant land. Hey, you know what? If you need weapons, I have an extra Thor-sized belt of strength, and iron gloves lying around. We giants kill a lot of heroes around here. I don't have a magic hammer, but I do have a staff. She told Thor that he could take them, because if he didn't, he was, as she kept saying, definitely gonna get murdered. And Thor's stuff ended up helping him even before they got to Gerard's court. Thor stuck the staff into a rushing river and waded across, while Loki bravely clung to his belt. When they arrived at Gerard's court, it was well after nightfall, and for a place to sleep, they were directed to the finest goat shed. Thor and Loki looked at the shed, nearly bare, except for a chair in the center, except the chair was on a pile of straw, clearly hiding something. "'Okay, this is definitely a trap, right, Loki?' Thor said." Looking at the very suspicious chair, Loki sighed. Yeah. Garrett had trapped him in a box for three months, and to get free, Loki had to promise to bring Thor here unarmed. Okay, Thor said, but why do you do this? I mean, he let you go. You realize you can just not come back, right? You don't have to do what they say. This is like Eden and the apples all over again. You can just lie to the giants, and say that you're coming back, and then not come back. You lie constantly, except when it will do you any good. Anyway, I'm going to go sit down in this chair that's definitely just a chair and not a trap, Thor yelled to the surely unsuspicious chair. When he sat down in the fairly comfy chair, two giantesses burst forth from the straw underneath the chair, saying that they were Gerard's daughters, and it wasn't just a chair at all, but a cleverly disguised trap." and they were going to kill Thor. Oh no, how surprising, Thor said. But he actually was a bit surprised, when they started to propel the chair toward the ceiling, to crush Thor against the top of the goat shed. But Thor had Grid's staff, and braced it against the rafters. With his super strength, he pushed, and sent the giantesses sprawling toward the ground. He heard a sickening crack. When he jumped down from the chair, he could see that it came back down on them. Pinning both of them to the floor, and it broke their backs. Thor said, oof, he was sorry about the backs. He just didn't want to get crushed against the ceiling. Would they be okay? They said, no, this is the middle ages and we have broken backs. This is it for us. We're dead now. And they died. Just then, someone came in through the door saying, hey, is Thor dead? I meant, hey Thor, the party's just going on in the main hall. Come on in, buddy, the messenger said, and ran as fast as he could toward the main hall. Thor rolled his eyes, grabbed the staff, and went to the main hall. When he opened the door, he saw Garrod standing there, flanked by giants. Hey, Thor, ready to party? Garrod said. "Garret, I know we're not going to party, Thor said. You're trying to kill me. I get that. It happens. Kind of a lot. What? You're crazy. No, I'm not. Garrod said. Then why do you have that red hot piece of iron behind you, like you're ready to throw it at me? Thor said. Oh, you can see that. Yeah, Garrod said. Because I'm gonna kill you. And he threw the red hot piece of iron. But he was not gonna kill Thor. Remember, Thor had iron gloves and caught the glowing hot metal. Garrod was very surprised, and unfortunately, did not have any plan after sending his daughters to crush him... and throwing hot metal at him. He gets points for creativity, at least. Anyway, he bravely ran behind a pillar in his hall... while Thor, again, rolled his eyes. Thor tossed the hot iron at the giant. The giant laughed, thinking he was safe behind multiple feet of wood. He, unfortunately, misjudged both the heat of the metal... and Thor's throwing arm. It burned straight through the pillar... Gerard's midsection, a wall and sizzled to a rest in the snow outside. Thor and Loki left Gayrod dying on the floor of his hall, with the other giants fleeing in panic. When they got to a safe distance, they saw the hall collapse, and the fire consume all the buildings around it. So, now, they were not only stuck in giant land, but they had no place to stay, in the middle of the night. Loki tried to console Thor, saying that it at least would bolster Thor's reputation. Thor said, yeah, Killing an unarmed giant cowering in terror is a big boost to the old reputation, and they began the long trudge back to Asgard, Thor vowing to never take another trip with Loki again, no matter how good the party sounded. (laughs) with Odin, in another part of Giantland, showing off his eight-legged horse to the extreme annoyance of everyone around him, right after this. Alright, now back to the show. Elsewhere in Jotunheim, Odin was being his sneaky, inconspicuous self by riding his eight-legged horse across the sky. He was in disguise, though he wasn't fooling anyone. There was only one person with an eight-legged horse. Hrungnir, the strongest of the giants, was standing beside his own horse, watching the stranger, who was definitely not Odin, showboating across the sky. The giant had enough. It was one thing to meet the business end of Thor's hammer on a nearly regular basis. But for the giants, to have Odin spending a nice Saturday afternoon taunting them from the sky was too much. He was going to say something. He ordered Odin to get lost before something bad happened to him. Odin looked down at him. Oh yeah? And what was this little giant going to do about it? The giant said, how about I take that head of yours? Odin smirked. Sure, if you can catch me. The eight-legged horse touched the ground and bolted in the direction of the world tree. Hringnir jumped on his horse, named Gullfaxi meaning golden mane, I wonder if you can guess what the defining characteristic is, and chased Odin. To Hrungnir's credit, he kept Odin and his eight-legged horse in sight, the whole time. Unfortunately, Hrungnir didn't pay attention where he was going, as they were riding along the roots of Egdrasil, the world tree, and he crossed the threshold to Asgard, the world of the Aesir. His horse skidded to a stop, as he saw Odin resting in front of him, He reached down for a weapon. It looked like he would have to fight his way out. Except that he had been doing whatever it was giants from Norse mythology do with their free time, and he wasn't armed. Then, he heard the gates to Asgard close behind him. He was locked in. The Aesir closed in around the giant. They had been fighting giants for years, and now they had one in the walls. So, they invited him in for some heavy drinking. Hrungnir downed bowl after bowl of mead. The Aesir were impressed that he could drink so much, so they just kept giving him Thor's massive drinking bowls full of mead. The giant was played at first, and then he started getting a little looser. He laughed. He said, You Aesir are alright. I thought I was going to have to kill everyone outside, but this is way better for everybody. The Aesir just laughed. Oh, you. Yeah, Hrungnir continued. I would have murdered every last one of you. Well, not every last one of you. He turned to the goddesses Freya and Sif. You two would have come back with me, to Jotunheim, he said with a surly smile and a wink. Again, all the Aesir laughed. This guy. Oh, 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 Trungnir said. But before that, I would drink all of your alcohol. The room stopped dead. What did he say? All the alcohol? Nope, nope, uncool, man. Threatening to murder us all in our homes, and then taking our wives and daughters is one thing. But drinking all of our alcohol, that's a step too far. This wasn't funny anymore. And then, as if on cue, Thor walked in at that very moment. He said, you will not believe the day I had. I went to Giantland, I was in this goat shed, it was a... Wait, guys, seriously, Thor said when he saw Hrungnir. We have talked about this. We can't keep letting the giants in here. And what? And you let him drink out of my bowls? Alright, everyone who doesn't want giants sculling your clothes, back up. I'll take care of this. And the mighty Thor raised his hammer above his head. Okay, 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 whoa. 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 Hrungnir said, cowering at the mead bench, hands over his head. Look at these, look at these, look at my hands. You know what you don't see in them? A weapon. How impressive is it for you to kill me without a weapon, huh? Huh? I think the answer you're looking for is not very. You might not know this, but after the death of Thrym and his family at his wedding, I'm actually the strongest giant. Even stronger than Utgard-a-Loki, and we all know how you fared against him. Thor lowered his hammer and thought about it. If you remember, Thrym was the giant who stole his hammer, and to whom Thor was very briefly engaged. Utgard-a-Loki was the giant who challenged Thor to drink the ocean and lift the Midgard serpent. Though Thor technically won both of those times, Neither really ended super honorably for him. So he was kind of looking for a solid, famous success against the giants. He knew of Hrungnir's reputation. Despite his current cowering, he was the strongest of the giants. If Thor dueled him and killed him, it would be a much needed, unqualified success for the Acer. Also, it kind of wasn't okay to invite people over, get them drunk, and murder them. Even giants. Thor sighed. He said, okay, he would duel Hrungnir. Of course, Krungnir couldn't use any of their weapons, and he had to go back to Jotunheim to get his own. What Hrungnir did not know was that he would return with a hero's welcome. The giants lined the path as Hrungnir rode into giant land. They clapped and cheered him. The strongest giant in Jotunheim was going to challenge Thor to a duel. This could mean big things for them in their cold and not-so-cold war against the Aesir. Also, they had a gift for Hrungnir. From the moment they heard of the duel, they got to work making a giant out of clay. It was tall and strong, and it had a head carved out of stone. It just needed a heart. In something that isn't really addressed as to what it is or why he had it, Hrungnir actually had a literal stone heart in his house. He ran and placed it in the monster's clay chest, and it rose to life. Hrungnir then stood at the predetermined place, waiting for Thor to show. Later on, Thor was walking through Jotunheim, with his servant, Tjalfi. Now, if you remember the episode where Thor went to the castle of Skramir, or Ugarda Loki, with Loki, and stopped along the way at a peasant's house, where he gave the peasants a nice dinner of his all-you-care-to-eat goat chariot, well, then you probably remember the father sucking the marrow out of one of the goats, giving it a permanent limp. The goat's days as a chariot goat were cut short, and Thor not only had to retire Teethnasher, but kill a small peasant family in the process. Well, the parents were quick on their feet and gave their children to Thor and Loki as a payment for the goats and Thor kept them and Thealfi was the boy in that story. He had been on adventures with Thor and now, here, he was serving as Thor's squire in the duel with a giant in Jotunheim. Then, he saw Thor stop dead in the middle of the road. In the distance, up ahead, was Hrungnir, the strongest giant in the nine worlds. But a clay giant stood next to him. This for some reason, was too much for Thor. He started trembling and then a wet spot grew in his tunic with a bit of it dribbling down his leg. Thalfi knew better than to address it or tell anyone about it ever and just said, uh, so what do you want to do? Thor, keeping it cool and acting like he didn't just wet himself in terror, said he had a plan. Also, don't tell anyone about this. Minutes later, Thalfi the young man who Thor got as compensation for a goat walked to Hrungnir and the clay monster, who were confused. Where was Thor, and why was this kid here? Tjalfi said Thor will be up shortly. Hrungnir said, oh, okay, that's cool. Wait, did you say up? Yep. Tjalfi said, okay, and what do you mean by that? Oh, it's just that Thor is going to be shooting up from the ground, right underneath you, and... Though there's really no good way to be hammered by Thor, that is an especially bad way. Hrungnir stood there, eyes wide. Yes. Yes, that did seem like a bad way to be hammered by Thor. The giant threw down his long iron shield and stood on it. Do you think that would stop Thor? Hrungnir said, feet very close together. Maybe. But it doesn't even matter, T'alfi said, because I'm just stalling you for a sneak attack. But then they just stood there awkwardly, a sneak attack very much not happening. Then, Zyalfi heard the thunder and rolled his eyes. This is exactly not how to sneak attack. Off in the distance, they all saw Thor running toward them, hammer out, and sky filled with lightning and storm clouds. Really effective sneak attack, Krungnir the giant said. Thor was still really far away, so they had some more time to just stand there awkwardly. Then, a few minutes later, when Thor was moderately closer, the son of Odin threw his mighty hammer. Oh, Hrungnir said, and raised his own weapon, which happened to be a large whetstone. You know, like the type of stone you would use to sharpen knives. Anyway, he was a giant, so it was more of a wet boulder. Hrungnir raised it up over his head, and threw it in Thor's direction. Rock hit hammer in midair, and they exploded in a cloud of dust and shattered rock. But only for an instant. Neither party was very happy to see the other's weapon still hurtling toward him. Thor's hammer had been slowed slightly, but it was still careening toward Hrungnir's head. Hrungnir's whetstone had been halved, but the side that was not broken into fragments, now had a nasty point, that was headed right for Thor. Neither really had time to react before they were hit. Hrungnir saw half a whetstone hit Thor in the forehead, with more force than a bullet. It exploded in yet another cloud of dust, but after it quickly cleared, Thor was on the ground. Hrungnir had only an instant to enjoy this bit of victory, until Thor's hammer hit him in the face, and, much to the horror of the onlookers in Jotunheim, went straight through Hrungnir's skull, only stopping when it lodged into the mountain behind him. Stunned and wiping fragments of the strongest giant's head from their faces, they barely registered what happened next. The story says that Thalfi, the kid, took down the clay giant that made Thor wet himself, but the giant fell in such a way that it's hardly worth a story. But really, this son of a peasant, who is essentially Thor's slave, just takes down a monster that made Thor pee his pants. That is totally worth a story. My guess is that it wasn't anything spectacular, but Thialfi, standing next to the horrified giant cheerleaders and the monster made out of now dry clay, just took his battle ax and hit the giant's leg. Finding himself unexpectedly one-legged, I can see the monster losing its balance and hitting the ground, crumbling into a thousand pieces, but that's just my guess, we don't know because, like the prose Edda says, it apparently wasn't worth the story, though it really was, come on. The giants, when they recovered, ran as fast as they could away from Thor, who was not only laying on the ground as if he was dead, but was trapped underneath the dead Hrungnir's leg. Okay, so I don't know how this is possible. I don't know if it's just that Hrongnir was so big that even if Thor was far away, he was still in range of the giant's foot, or if it was like a Monty Python in the quest for the Holy Grail, where the warrior was running at the guards at the same distance for a couple of different shots, and then he was just right there. Really, we shouldn't try to make sense of it. Thor was trapped under Hrongnir's leg after the giant fell, and Fjolfi panicked. He couldn't see Thor's face or move the leg at all, and he didn't know how much time Thor had underneath it. He ran to Asgard. I'm not sure how long it took for him to explain the whole weird story to Odin, Freya, and the others, and have them come to Jotunheim, but soon-ish, everyone was standing around Thor, and maybe wondering what smelled like urine. Everyone tried, but no one could get the giant leg off of Thor. Even if the giants weren't off, washing bits of Hrungnir out of everywhere, they wouldn't have helped Thor after he just killed their strongest it was up to the Acer. Then, everyone heard the familiar footsteps of Thor's three-year-old son, named Magni. He was the result of Thor's extramarital relations with a giant. Brown Saxa, Magni, was like a normal three-year-old, but he was 7 eighths giant, because Thor is like three-quarters giant, and he could easily deadlift a dead giant's leg off his dad. As a parent with a child that's just a bit younger than three, there's really nothing more terrifying than a giant toddler that can lift hundreds of pounds. Anyway, yes, Magni walked up to his dad, took the leg that no one else could lift, and not only lifted it above his head, but threw it, sending what was left of Hrungnir with it. Everyone looked at Thor as he laid on the ground, and gasped. Thor regained consciousness, and sat up, surprised to see all of his friends and family standing around him, looking worried. But he just saw Hrungnir's corpse flying across the sky, and knew that he had done it. He had beaten the biggest giant in the land, and there was absolutely no hilarious and mildly humiliating catch. Why is everyone looking at me like that? Thor said. Even Thor's three-year-old was mildly shocked. He knew Dada wasn't supposed to look like that. Odin said, Are you guys going to tell him, or should I? How about I tell him? The Aesir shook their heads, still wide-eyed. Odin turned to his son. Okay. Don't freak out, he said. But you have a large shard of Kjongnir's whetstone lodged in your forehead, Thor laughed, his dad was obviously joking, but when no one laughed in return, he put his hands to his forehead and found a large piece of stone jutting out, his face went ashen, oh, okay, okay, wow, oh my dad, Thor said, kind of freaking out, should I pull it out, leave it in, pull it out, this is bad, how deep does it even go, Odin shook his head. He had no idea. He had helped fashion the sky from a giant skull near the beginning of time and this was weird even for him. Thor gripped both sides of the stone, took a few deep breaths and pulled. White hot blinding pain flashed through his head and he dropped back onto the ground. Wow, that... It looks like I'm going to leave it in for now, he said, when he had recovered enough to speak again. Odin said that he thought he knew someone in Asgard, a healer who could help out with something like this. In the meantime, there was a matter of loot from Ragnir's corpse. Mainly that super-fast horse Odin had raced. Who would get that? Maybe a certain really great dad? Who likes super-fast horses? Thor smiled. He said Odin was right. The horse should stay in the family, and he knew exactly who it should go to. His three-year-old son. Which, it seems a little young for me. Though, I suppose if you're old enough to deadlift a giant off-dad, maybe you're old enough to own a super-fast horse. Regardless, Odin wasn't happy about that, and, ever the kind and caring grandpa, said that some disgusting little son of a giantess, didn't deserve such a sweet horse. Right within earshot of his grandson. I guess Odin forgot that he's actually the son of a giantess, so he really has no room to put down his grandson. Anyway, back in Asgard, Thor was tired of everyone looking at him funny, and even more tired, of the constant headaches. He had to get this whetstone shard out of his head. Luckily, Odin was only mad about the horse gift for a short time, and called a seeress and a healer, named Groa. She walked up to Thor's house, out in an area called the Plains of Strength, because of course Thor lives on the Plains of Strength. His house had a name too, it was called Bilskinir, meaning, literally, lightning crack. Thor really sticking to the strength and lightning motifs. The house was a fit for the son of Odin, with 540 living spaces, in the event that you wanted to have a few thousand people over for a party. In living space, two out of 540, Thor lay down, grow crushed up herbs, and set her incantations over Thor, and soon, the whetstone started to jiggle, ever so slightly. Better yet, because of the woman's magic, it didn't hurt. Thor didn't really know what he was going to do with a giant hole in his forehead, but he would cross that bridge when he came to it. For now, he was just happy it was working. The woman slowly and delicately started to remove the stone, It was in deep. So it was taking longer than Thor thought it should. Thor was so happy, and he thought he should give the healer some good news. Her husband was Arvandil the Bold, a name so Tolkien-esque that it has second breakfast. Also, I made that sort of off-the-cuff remark, but I stopped writing and looked into it. Tolkien actually named a character after Arvandil in the Cimmerillion. Anyway, the Norse mythology, Arvandil, was thought to be dead. Actually, on his most recent trip... Thor found him huddled in the snowdrift in Jotunheim. He was in bad shape, but Thor dug him out, threw him in a heretofore unmentioned basket backpack that Thor was wearing for some reason, and trekked with Arvandil the Bold for miles in the driving snow. Thor nonchalantly drops in that Arvandil had a toe sticking out of the basket that froze off. Oops for whoever loaded the unconscious man into the basket. Anyway, Thor snapped the toe off and flung it into the heavens, making it a star called Arvandil's Toe. No one knows exactly where that star is supposed to be, but it might be the North Star, Sirius, or the planet Venus, among others. Thor, very much burying the lead, finally got to the most important part. He dropped Arvandil off, just outside the borders of Jotunheim, to recover. And that was before Thor even started this whole business with Hrungnir. So, the man should be back soon. Minus one toe. The Siris stopped, the stone hovering in the air, nearly out of the gaping hole in Thor's forehead. She said... Wait, my husband is alive? And he'll be back soon? I I have to go, I have to go right now. Thor said, wait, 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 no, 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 please finish. But it was too late. Groa rushed from Thor's house, and the large whetstone shard dropped painfully back into place. She never returned. As it turns out, Thor from mythology had a big whetstone stuck in his forehead, throughout the duration of Ragnarok. Something that's never included in any art, and... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Chris Hemsworth probably will not have a massive whetstone jutting out of his forehead when the movie Thor Ragnarok comes out later on this year. There's also a little downside of having a whetstone prominently and painfully jutting out of your forehead. Apparently, when Hrugger threw the whetstone and the other half of it shattered, it rained down on Midgard, the place where we humans live. And it was the source of all whetstones. And I know you're probably tempted to be throwing whetstones all over every room you see, but you probably shouldn't because every time someone throws a whetstone, the large one in Thor's forehead jiggles. You'll have to resist the temptation that we all have all the time around whetstones, unless you want an angry Thor to show up at your door with a hammer and a headache. That's it for this week, and except for a few much shorter stories, That's maybe it for Norse mythology. I'll need to really comb through the stories, but I think I've hit all the major ones, which is sad because I love Norse mythology. Of course, Odin pops up from time to time in the sagas, so we'll be seeing him and the giants some more, but I think we might have reached the end of the purely mythological stories. Next week, we're going into the very early versions of Puss in Boots. I'm going to be honest, I didn't get the idea behind a super smart cat that wears boots before diving into these stories. And... After researching and reading every version I could find, it makes even less sense to me now. I want to say thanks to CRJR2131, HellraiserNZ, S. Catalina87, Adventure25Chick, A Nelson1004, XMillerX, Lockhart, Lord Snurts, Nady Lee, Pindingy, Chuck Rouse, Kevin Hops, AwesomeFan55575, JG3, EbonyXDreamer, WoodyDat, GigglesBub, Rar X Ashers, Meet Baldioso, and Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Jane for the reviews on iTunes. Thank you all so much. It's great to hear from you. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to help out the show, you can leave a review on iTunes or the iOS Podcasts app. It really does help. By going to iTunes.MythPodcast.com. There's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a case of pork brains on Amazon.com, you can get extra episodes, source pack ebooks, and ad-free versions of the show that, while they might make you smarter, do not contain actual brains. And I can guarantee that no pigs were harmed in the making of this podcast. Check out the membership on support.mythpodcast.com. The creature this week is the Etvaras from Lithuanian folklore. Okay, so your nine 9- to fifteen year old chicken just laid an egg congratulations, maybe, when the chick hatches, it will either grow up to have black or white feathers, and you might notice something else a little off about it, namely, it will have a fire tail, things from here can either get pretty lucrative for you, or terrible, depending on how you treat your pets, if you're nice to the Iparus, it will go full buttercat for you, and rob your neighbors, unlike the buttercat though, it will not just pilfer perishables, but will steal both grain and gold, that is, if people let a flaming chicken into their house to rob them, and don't notice said fire returning to your house to drop off the gold. If you're mean to the Itvarus, well, it has a tail of fire, and is not afraid to use it. It'll probably burn down your house. Basically, whatever you decide, it's not leaving. So get used to a tricky chicken, extorting you for a warm place to sleep. If you don't have an egg-laying 9 to 15 year old chicken, but would like an Itvarus, don't worry, Etvarist eggs can be purchased, from the devil, for the low price of your eternal soul. The Avaris can change its form. So while it's at home, it can be a chicken, or become a black cat. And outside, it can once again remain a chicken, or turn into a massive, terrifying, fire-breathing dragon. That is just another reason not to kick the thing out of your house. Just inform the neighbors that there will be a flaming chicken by to rob them occasionally, that there's nothing you can do about it, and that you'll return the golden grain as soon as the chicken's back is turned. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. Other music is by Pottington Bear and Blue Dot Sessions, and there are links to even more music in the show notes. If you want to say hi, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, at Myth Podcast. I'm Jason Weiser. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.